Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today, we are going to be previewing the Tour Championship on the PGA Tour. It's got a little bit of a weird format, so I'm going to talk about that, talk about the course, and then talk about how you can exploit this format to win on FanDuel and DraftKings. This is going to be our last golf coverage of the 2022 PGA Tour season. This is the final event of that 2022 PGA Tour season. Going to be taking a few weeks off, and then the Tour will be kicking it back off with the 2022-23 wraparound season with their fall events. So you won't hear me talking about golf on the podcast for a few weeks while the tour is taking a break. I'm definitely not covering any live tour events. I'm not covering any Euro tour events or any corn fairy tour events or anything like that. So I'll be taking a little bit of a break from covering golf and it will be all fantasy football content for the next few weeks. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into the crazy format that is the tour championship. So the way that the Tour Championship is formatted, they use what is called starting strokes. So based on each golfer's standings in the FedEx Cup, they actually start with a set number of strokes. So it starts with even par for the bottom five, 26 through 30 golfers. That includes Aaron Weiss, Saeed Tagawa, Kyung-Hoon Lee, among others. And then all the way at the top, Scotty Scheffler is going to start at 10 under par. So what it does is it's the PGA Tour's way of trying to reward players for season-long performances, but in my opinion, getting to this event is the reward for the season-long performance. It's, you know, I could go on and on about how I don't like this format and how I don't think it makes for a good golf tournament, but it does actually normally kind of create a good finish because there do usually end up being some people that come roaring back from where they start at. So legitimately speaking, with the starting strokes, I only think there's actually about six or seven golfers who have the upside to win this tournament because the strokes fall off pretty quickly. Scheffler's starting at minus 10, Cantlay's starting at minus 8, Zalatoris is starting at minus 7, and after that, everybody is starting at least four shots back of that leap. Now, one thing that this does, though, is the tee times are staggered like a weekend PGA Tour event. So the golfers who are starting even par get to go off in the morning, and Scotty Scheffler and Patrick Cantlay are the last group in the afternoon. Scoring is generally a little softer in the morning, so you're going to have these guys with a golden opportunity to put up lots of birdies and try to make a run at that number over the course of four days. One thing that I think is also important to talk about is that FanDuel and DraftKings kind of have pricing set up with starting strokes in mind. Scotty Scheffler is the most expensive golfer by far on both sites, and he's also priced at a number that's much higher than the normal highest-priced golfer on both sites. Then that's because he's starting with a two-shot lead. Now, in terms of comparing the two sites, I think FanDuel's pricing is a lot softer. It's very mirrored, so like Scotty Scheffler and the lowest priced golfer will end up averaging out to 10,000, which is the average per golfer on FanDuel. DraftKings does not quite do that. DraftKings has a huge gulf between their prices, and generally speaking, the average is the average cost per golfer is higher than what your salary cap needs to be. I hope that made sense. DraftKings pricing is not as soft as FanDuel, bottom line. Now, it's also important to know that there are only 30 golfers in action this week, so... That means that every single lineup, starting six golfers, is going to be playing 20% of the field. So every golfer is going to have an average ownership of 20%. So like, say Scheffler ends up at 40%, that means that other 
two golfers are going to have to be at around 10% to balance that out. But the average of all 30 when you add them all up and divide it by 30 is going to be 20% because you're playing 20% of the field. So that makes four different routes to take for your lineup. In my opinion, it becomes a very high-risk play to play either Scotty Scheffler or Patrick Cantlay because their price is so expensive and their ownership is going to be so high. If you play either of them, they're going to have to win the golf tournament for you to even have a chance at cashing in your lineups. So if you feel really good about either of them winning, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, if you feel good about either of those two, you can play them in their lineup, but you better pick the winner. I think the way to do this is to try to find some of the guys that are in the minus six to minus four range, guys like Rory McIlroy, Cam Smith, guys in that pricing range that have the upside to win this tournament. And if they actually do it, you're going to get a whole lot more points than if you had played Scheffler and he ends up losing, especially in terms of the points per dollar of the cost that those golfers represent. So, The other thing that you need to do this week is you need to find the guys near the bottom of the board that can come shooting up that leaderboard. Uh, Last year, Kevin Nye was the guy that was started at the very bottom of the leaderboard. And by the end of the tournament, he was like, I believe, like T6. But from where he started, he had a lot of strokes under par, which is a lot of points in DraftKings and FanDuel scoring. So he was the guy that you wanted on your lineup if you were to win that week. I think in 2020, Chez Reavy was the same guy that did the same thing. There's always that one guy that starts at the bottom and kind of very much outplays his salary and outplays his position. So we're going to talk about how we can find those guys here in just a second. But that is the format for this week. Like I said, if you know this format and you look at the starting strokes, you look at the price, FanDuel and DraftKings do not show you the starting strokes on the golfer profile, so make sure you find somewhere where you can find those starting strokes. Uh, I will be posting a picture to my Twitter feeds. That way it'll help you out a little bit. But if you can take advantage of this format this week that the average person is not able to take advantage of, you can find yourself some value and you can find yourself winning this week here at Eastlake. So now that we know the format, let's start trying to find us some golfers that we can take advantage of this format. The first thing we need to do is know the course. The Tour Championship has been played at Eastlake for as long as I can remember, which is a good thing. It gives us very reliable course history. East Lake is a very long par 70. There's only two par fives, but there's multiple par fours that are over 500 yards. It's also a very narrow golf course. This week, we're looking at true tree-lined fairways. So if you miss off the tee, you are going to be finding yourself in some deep tree trouble. And there are also lots of elevation changes this week. There's a lot of downhill tee shots, a lot of uphill approach shots, and then the greens themselves feature a ton of undulation. If you are not careful, you can putt yourself right off of one of these greens. This is a Donald Ross design, much like Detroit Golf Club and much like Sedgefield Country Club that have been played here recently, but I don't think this one is all too similar to Detroit. It's more similar to Sedgefield, but it's a lot longer than Sedgefield is. Now, one other thing that's interesting, uh, when, well, before the starting strokes were implemented, like a decade and a half ago, like around 2007 when the FedEx Cup was first becoming a thing, 
This course ended with a par three. 18 was a very long, very difficult par three. They now flip the nines, so that way nine is the very long, very difficult par three, and 18 is ending with a par five. So the way they set it up ending with a par five now, you can actually get a very thrilling finish on Sunday where somebody needs a birdie or an eagle to capitalize and finish. So the types of golfers that we're looking for this week, like I said, it's very long, very narrow. So accuracy is the name of the game. And you want guys who can put themselves at an advantage by being longer and accurate because it's a big difference on these very long par fours. If you're swinging a seven iron into a green and somebody else is swinging a four iron or a hybrid into a green is just putting yourself in better situations. If you can be long and accurate this week. And then I also think you've got to be able to roll in putts. These are not easy greens. You've got to be an above average putter. If you want to cash in this week at Eastlake, which is something that every golfer here is going to want to do because this is some serious money up for grabs this week. All right, now let's start profiling some individual golfers and what I think you can do for your lineups this week. If you wanted to hear me talk for an hour, I could profile each of the individual 30 golfers here at Eastlake, but I will not do that. I'm just going to mention some that I think the format allows you to take advantage of rostering this week, and some present a lot more risk in rostering than others. So the first discussion that we need to have is Scotty Scheffler versus Patrick Cantlay. These are the two alphas this week because of the starting strokes. Scheffler is starting two strokes ahead of Cantlay, who is starting one stroke ahead of the rest of the field. Both of these golfers are over $13,000 on DraftKings and over $12,000, almost $13,000 on FanDuel. So with these two guys, you can pretty much only play one of them. You're going to box yourself out of playing the other one if you play one or unless you just want to go super duper risky and play both of them and play like three guys that are starting at even par. So this week, I actually think that Patrick Cantlay is a better fit. He's won here at the Tour Championship before. He's been on a really good run of golf recently. The only bad tournament he played was the FedEx St. Jude, which he really just kind of lost it over the weekend. He had a good Thursday and Friday, but he's pretty much been red hot all summer. I, I think you can ride that again because he is the type of guy that can win here. He's long and accurate, and he's very calm and collected on the greens. He's an elite approach putter, meaning if he's somebody who has a 30-foot birdie putt, he's very good at putting that putt to one foot and tapping it in and taking his par and going, as opposed to putting it to seven feet and then having a nerving, nerve-wracking putt back for par. So, I just think Patrick Cantlay, he's got the game that fits the course this week. I think that he could very well overcome that two-shot lead. Uh, a few years ago when Rory won the Tour Championship, I want to say it was 2019, I know Justin Thomas started with the two-shot lead, and because of how he started, it was gone by like hole six. So Patrick Cantlay is the type of guy that if he gets a few birdies early, he's going to start putting pressure on Scheffler, and I think that Cantlay is the guy you want of the two. However, I'm not opposed to playing Scheffler. Scheffler with a two-shot lead is obviously a great proposition. He's the number one ranked golfer in the world. He had a great performance at the BMW. Even though he didn't win, he just couldn't roll in a few putts on Sunday. Putting is the name of the game with Scheffler. If he is hot with the putter, he's going to be very difficult to beat. But if you look at his poor performances, uh, such as at the FedEx St. Jude, such as at the PGA back in May, it's when the putter goes cold that Scheffler is a very high-risk play. He's always going to be a great ball striker. He's always going to be very long off the tee. But if that putter goes cold, he's not going to be worth his price point this year. 
So between the two of them, I would lean to play Cantlay, but I'm not opposed to playing Scheffler because I think he's the type of guy that he's going to have the right mentality going in with that two-shot lead. And if the putter doesn't go cold, he's likely to win this week. I think when you look a little further down the board, the two guys that I really want to roster on my lineups are Xander Schauffele and Rory McIlroy. This is because both of these two guys have great history at Eastlake. Xander has never won, but since starting strokes have been implemented, he's always outplayed where he started, and he always seems to find his way into the top of this leaderboard, and he's also been on a great run of golf recently. He's just Mr. Consistency. He's always on the top of the leaderboards at seemingly every tournament. He's a guy I want to roster this week, no matter where the price point is. If I can find a way to fit Cam and Xander into a lineup, I'm going to do it because I think that those are the two guys that give you an equal amount of upside and an equal amount of consistency. I think the same thing about Roy McIlroy. He's also won here at Eastlake. He won here in with the starting strokes where he was, I believe, five shots back in 2019. That's the farthest back anybody's ever won it. So, I mean, he could very well do the same thing this week. He's been playing some of the best golf in the world lately. He's kind of cooled off a little bit, relatively speaking, with the missed cut at the FedEx St. Jude and the eighth at the BMW. But, I mean, he's still Roy McIlroy. He's an elite driver of the golf ball. He's an elite ball striker. And he's just a guy that he's he's done it before if you know the tour championship with all the money on the line it's a lot of pressure he had a putt in 2019 that pretty much single-handedly won him millions of dollars so he's been here before both Xander and Rory I really like this week uh and if I can find a way to pair one of those two with Scheffler and Cantlay I'm going to do it the guy this week who I think presents the most risk in playing is John Rahm and that is because he is priced very near the top of both sites on FanDuel and DraftKings, but he's starting all the way back at minus three. Now, last year, if starting strokes were taken all the way out, if starting strokes were not a thing, Rom and Kevin Na would have tied for the tournament and Cantlay would have finished second one shot back. So, I mean, Rom clearly can play well here at Eastlake, but I don't like rostering a guy that is like already two or three shots back of all the guys that he's priced around. I just think that Fanduel and DraftKings, I think they really mispriced him. Uh, and I'm not doubting the ability of John Rahm at all. I just don't like that price point for, like I said, a guy who's already behind all the other guys around him. So I think he presents a lot of risk if you want to play him this week. However, he definitely has the game to back it up. He's coming off of a fifth at the FedEx St. Jude and an eighth at the BMW after he had been cold all summer. So if, if you want to play him, it presents a lot of risk. He's the type of guy that this course does suit him. John Rahm's always best with a long iron in his hand, and he's able to hit greens and make putts from way out as opposed to other guys. So I could totally see playing him this week, but I just think he presents a lot of risk, and, and I'm, I'm staying away from John Rahm this week. As we look to the middle of the board, I do think there are a lot of options to relieve some salaries. The first guy I'm looking at is Justin Thomas. I think if you were to play Justin Thomas this week, this is the equivalent of buying the dip in the stock market because he hasn't really been great lately, but it's pretty much all been because of the putter. And really at the BMW championship, it was all because of how he played on Saturday. He was minus five near the top of the leaderboard in round one and then played his way out of it with rounds over par on Friday and Saturday. He was also playing a new putter at the BMW championship. You know, like I said, the putter had been like his 
kind of worst part of his bag lately. So he put a new putter in. He didn't really put all that well with it, but I definitely think having that one tournament with it in is a lot better than showing up to East Lake with a new putter in the bag. And he's always played well here at East Lake. His, he always finishes well in the tour championship. Uh, I just think that with where he's priced at, I think he's a better golfer than where he's priced at. So he's definitely an option this week. Another guy I like is Sung J.M., Sung Jay, very similar to John Rahm, is great with long irons in his hand, hitting long shots into greens. He's a great approach player with long irons. So I think he's definitely an option with where he is at. And then the other guy that I want to talk about is Colin Morikawa, and that is because Morikawa pretty much single-handedly threw away a chance at winning the BMW Championship on one hole on Sunday. He had a 10 on a par 5, which is something that like an amateur would do. But you know, aside from that one hole, he was great at the BMW. He was great at the FedEx St. Jude also. He had a T5 that week. I think he's really finding his game back again. And I think that, again, much like Justin Thomas, his skill level relative to his pricing is a level that I want. I, I think he is the guy this week that he has a chance to, even though he's starting all the way back at minus one, he has a chance to really go low and get a lot of birdies and put himself in position to be there on Sunday. Another guy I like that's been very quiet lately, he was my one-and-done selection last week, and he really paid off for me, and that is Joaquin Neiman. So Neiman has very quietly had a T13 and a T8 here in the playoffs. Um, he never really has played super-duper well at Eastlake, but I just like where his game's at. He's, you know, two tough events. He's finished in 8th and 13th. I think that with where he's priced, he has a chance to really pay that off. And he's another guy that, if you remember what he did at Riviera, when he gets hot, he gets hot. So if he's rolling in birdies, look out. Neiman can be coming screaming up that leaderboard over the weekend. Now let's take a look at some values and then talk a little bit about one and done and get out of here. When looking at the value plays this week, the guys that can relieve you of some salary on FanDuel and DraftKings, I want guys that have high ceilings, guys that have a chance to make a lot of birdies and be this year's Kevin Na or Ches Reeve. The first guy that fits this description to me is Scott Stallings. He very nearly won the BMW Championship, and he is coming off of an outstanding summer where he's got, I believe, four top tens now. Yes, with the BMW, four top tens over the summer for Scott Stongs. So he's the type of guy that he's got the ceiling and the capability to make a lot of birdies and make a run up that leaderboard. And like I said, the second at the BMW, and that was one of the best fields in all of golf. This is also a great field, 30 of the best golfers on the planet that didn't defect to live. So Scott Stallings, definitely a value play that I'm thinking of this week. Sepp Straka, to me, represents the high-risk, high-reward value play. He's a guy that when he's playing well, he pops. And, you know, he wins at the Honda. He has the playoff loss at the FedEx St. Jude. But yet, there's also times where he'll miss six straight cuts. So he's got the ceiling capability to play well here, but he's also got the floor where he could be sitting there in 30th, like five shots back of everybody by the time Sunday comes around. So Sepp Straka, the high-risk, high-reward play here at Eastlake. Adam Scott and Billy Horschel both have great history here at this event, and Adam Scott actually is rolling back-to-back -to -back top fives in the playoffs, so I think Adam Scott's recent form gives him an opportunity to be worth a consideration. Billy Horschel, it's not the recent form, but it is the course history. He has won a tour championship here before. He's also a guy that is used to playing and winning in tough field events, so Adam Scott and Billy Horschel, two other names that I'm looking at in terms of values this week. And then lastly, two of the guys that are starting all the way back at even par that I like this week are Aaron Wise and Sahith Tagawa. 
Aaron Wise has just very quietly had a great season. He hasn't cashed in with a win, but he's just been very quietly very good in a lot of very tough events this year. And I think that he has the length and accuracy to contend here at East Lake. Uh, he just has to be confident with that putter and roll in some putts, and he has the chance to come up that leaderboard. And then Sahet Thagawa, you know, like I said, we want guys down here that have upside. He is Mr. Upside, in my opinion. He's got back-to-back top 15s in the two playoff events, and I don't even think he's played his best golf. Uh, if you remember correctly about Sahith, he almost won at the Travelers, and he almost won at Phoenix, the Waste Management. So he has almost won in two very tough fields, very high-profile golf tournaments, and that's kind of what we're looking at here this week. This is 30 of the best golfers in the world. If he gets hot at even par, he's going to very easily pay off his price on FanDuel and on DraftKings. All right, so now let's talk one and done. First, I mentioned this last week. In my opinion, good one-and-dones do not use the Tour Championship. Because of the starting strokes, because of the cash payouts, it just becomes a nightmare to try to figure out where you're going to go this week and how to correctly incorporate it into your one-and-done. So pretty much what I would do if I was playing a one-and-done this week is I would look at the leaderboard and see who has the most starting strokes that I haven't played and who... um, has kind of the best fit that I haven't played. You've probably played a lot of these guys already in your one and dones. So if I was looking at the starting strokes aspect, Sepp Straka starting at minus four. Like I said, he's a super high risk play, um, but he's probably the guy that I would put in consideration for a one and done. Um, Sung JM is also a guy that if I was still continuing my one and done, which is done, he's the guy that I would be ending up playing because he is the guy that I have left who is, in my opinion, in the best position. But like I said, one and dones should be done this week. They should not be something that um, is still going on, in my personal opinion. And lastly, if you want me to pick a winner this week, I think it's going to end up being either Scheffler or Cantlay. I think that if you're betting this week, you have to, I would take advantage of live betting as opposed to betting it right now. Um, I just think that there's only five or six guys that have the potential to actually win this golf tournament. But if you're looking into doing live betting, if you're watching the coverage, you know, you can kind of get a vibe for who's playing well and who's not. You can kind of get a vibe for who's going to make a charge up that leaderboard, and maybe you can get a really good number on somebody. But if I was picking a winner this week, I think it's going to be Patrick Cantlay. I think he's going to go back-to-back at the Tour Championship. I think his game's in a great spot. I think that the course fits him really well. He's clearly, you know, won here before. Um, So yeah, Patty Ice, I think he's going to go back to back here at the Tour Championship. So like I said, this pretty much concludes my golf coverage for this PGA Tour season. I will be back when the tour comes back. Like I said, you ain't going to hear me on here talking about live events, that's for sure. So um, if you are interested in any fantasy football or fantasy golf content, make sure to check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. The full lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings this week will be going live on there by the end of the day on Wednesday. Um, and then a lot of fantasy football content, including the Fantasy Football 2022 Draft Guide. All right, so that pretty much does it for this week at East Lake, guys. Uh, best of luck to you in your lineups and bets, and thank you for listening. I will see you next time. Thank you.